Hey there, Mike Dunn, Editor-in-Chief of Tabletop, and I've got something very special to tell you about. It's a new crowdfunding campaign from GooeyCube. It's called The Tomb of Geisengax. It's a tribute to Gary Gygax and many of the legends that created the wonderful game that we all love to play. The link is right down here. Go hit it up, back it, you can't go wrong. Oh my gosh, this week has been a whirlwind for myself. Has it been a whirlwind for y'all? Because, man, it feels like it's oh, just yeah. been a whirlwind. Yeah, Xbox is dead. Nintendo is dead. Everyone's dead. <laughs> PlayStation's next. Yeah. Just yep. you wait. Those decisions uh, to put the games on PC, it's just the beginning. It's over. They managed to get one more heart pump out of with uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. <laughs> right? After that, it's just total dead. <laughs> We're calling it. <laughs> David, I feel... I feel like a bad teammate because I haven't read your review yet. What's the word on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth? Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Well, I am very tired. Let's just put it that way. I was up till uh, I was talking to these guys earlier uh, before we started recording. I was up till 3 a.m. last night putting the final touches on our video review and uh, then was up at 7.55 this morning to be ready for embargo. Uh, not because things weren't scheduled, but Every once in a while, you hit a button and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So it's kind of nice to make sure on one of the biggest games of the year releasing that, uh, that all everything goes according to plan. Absolutely. Everything is smooth. So everything was smooth, right? Everything went smooth, thankfully. Uh, I, I was, you know, it hits eight o'clock. You click the link. It's like page not found. Because it's still processing, <laughs> like, oh, okay, let's get this up, and they just wait a second, and then finally it ends up loading up, and everything, yeah. everything was good. Uh, but I am, I am very tired, not just because of the three a.m., but because this has kind of gone through the entirety of me having this. I've had all kinds of different projects, like building my new PC, uh, doing. There've been a couple different things. I actually, funny enough, I actually got code before our preview went live. <laughs> Like that's how oh, yeah. quick they got this in our hands. It was three weeks prior to embargo. Problem was that weekend because I was busy writing the preview. I didn't have the time to play the game and I didn't want to play the game and accidentally say things in my preview <laughs> preview that was in the main game and get in trouble. So I yeah, had to wait a little extra just to make sure. So I, I probably timeline. I probably played uh, for about two weeks rather than the three, uh, two and a half max. I put 52 hours. Nice into Final Fantasy. So, but there's a little bit of a story in there. That sounds like, oh man, yeah, that's some good, that's a good meaty game right there. Uh, I, at the halfway point, get to it and I'm like, I, I'm 25 hours in or so. I cannot keep chasing side objectives. Like, I, I just sure, got yeah. to the point. I'm like, no, I, I can't keep doing this. And you play enough, like, you kind of get the yeah, sense I'm like, of what you know they what? Are, I, how they yeah, work. I know what's going yeah. on. My problem was, is I got to June on and I straight up got just totally sidetracked. Like I almost finished all the side content in Junon because I was just exploring. I was like, juicy. what's over what's over here? Junon is juicy. <laughs> and, well, I noticed that you're royalty now. Yeah. But <laughs> but it champ. was one of those things where I'm going through all of uh, all of Junon. I'm like, I I, I gotta focus. So we get to I get to Coastal, so I start getting a little sidetracked again. I'm like, no, you have to stay on track. So I start skipping all of the side content from the halfway point on. I, I literally did no side content. Like maybe, maybe I came up on a tower and activated it real quick. That's it. 
that gotcha. didn't do yeah. anything else. Still ended up putting 52 hours into this game. It is massive. Uh, they said it takes at least 40 hours. Uh, it's going to take you pretty close for just the base story, and you're probably going to put a, over 100 in uh, for the rest of the game. Um, yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, my tagline is victory fanfare. Uh, because I just thought that was just the the best tagline. <laughs> yeah, we got it. All right. So, David. <laughs> yes. How is it? How is I it? I need to know. <laughs> so I've, I've been nothing uh, about it. <laughs> I've been talking about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth through our different previews and whatnot, and it very much holds up. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is <clears throat> continues on remake. It is a little more slow cooking than remake though. I know uh, that Jack has played it. Uh, Anthony, I know you, you have not gotten a chance to play remake. Correct. I only played the demo of it. Okay. So re the thing with remake was it was, it was only Midgar. And even though there was some kind of openish level activities that you could do, like some side questing and whatnot in it, it still felt a lot more closed off. It was a lot more linear. It was a lot more linear of an experience where rebirth is taking on that. Okay. Now we're outside of Midgar. There's a lot to explore here. And, and that was how it was in the original game. You, you got out of Midgar in 1997 and there was a bunch of <laughs> map there. So you had yeah. a lot more to, to go to at that point. And th this was the next logical step was to move into the open world. Um, as I mentioned, that's part of why the story is a little more slow cooking is because you've got more exploration going on. But because they've divided it into these big open world segments, that story feels a, it definitely feels a lot slower because it's more of a, okay, I'm exploring this big open world chunk. Some of these, you're going to put a couple hours into 10 hours, even into just messing around in one open world area. So sure. it's going to be real slow going, getting from one story mission to the next, because if, if you're like me, you get to a point where you're like, okay, this is probably where I'm going to move into whatever's next. I don't want to leave this area behind. Uh, and that's that's what actually happens. Like, for instance, in the very opening in the grasslands, you do this mission and calm. It takes you out in the grasslands. You do all these different things. It gives you the ability to have the chocobos, which will get you across the swamp to get towards Junon. Uh, you encounter a boss. But like if you just go straight through that, you're going to do everything like super quick. But as soon as you get your chocobo, you start getting these openings of, of world intel of of side missions to do and whatnot. And the, the best thing about it is the world is just so well designed. Uh, I mentioned in our review, it's there's a lot of variety to what is there. You, you don't feel like you're staring at the same spaces a lot. And part of that is the segmented world. It, it makes every new area feel a lot fresher because like, for instance, horizon forbidden West love the game. But sometimes in, in these big open worlds, you move to another area and it's like, okay, we're, we're switching the style of world you're in for this, like for the sake of switching it to keep you from getting bored. But you still almost feel like you're in just this is the snow area of the same place I just left. <laughs> like mm, This mm. is this is the desert area of the grassland I just left. And I don't feel that way 
when I play Rebirth because they've done such a good job. Like, yes, there's going to be a lot of gameplay that is the same. Yeah. But because you feel that transition in between these open areas, it gives you that sense of, okay, this is new compared to just the false, okay, it's snowing over here. <laughs> so is it like, uh, I mean, I know you, you don't play a lot of JRPGs, but this sounds like a very Japanese video game thing that happens. You know, you, yeah. you take... You look at Mario games, right? It's lava world, the ice world, you know. Yeah. Is it that segmented or is it kind of like uh, maybe like a Borderlands 3 almost where it's like, you know, you're on Pandora and it's this deserty kind of place. But then you go to a different planet and it is lush and green and um, and all that. Is it like that? So, so I guess what's cool about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth specifically is when you do the Grasslands portion, you beat the boss that's at the end of that portion, you go, they get put you into a more linear level. It is the, the Mithril Mines. You go through these, you do all of the, you're, you're still following your story beat. It's a little more, like I said, it's, it's more linear. But when you emerge from there, you're in Junon. Ooh, so it's, so it's, it, there's it this natural like prime connected. There's this natural connected feeling okay. of I'm arriving here in a natural sense. So I still feel like I'm a part of the world, but that the world has changed. It's yeah, a, okay. a, a, a journey as opposed to just, Oh, it's, it, this just changed. It, it changed because it had to change. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, for instance, one of the things you do when you get done with Junon is you end up going on a cruise ship and there's a whole level that happens as you're on this cruise ship. But the cruise ship takes you to Costa del Sol in the Corel region, <laughs> which is like you enjoy your time on the beach and all this different stuff. But then you got to travel up the mountain because that's where the mission is taking you. And that level that they do going up the mountain, you end up in. Uh, the the villages around Corel with the broken down reactor, which also ends up take leading you into where the gold saucer is and all these other different things. So it's just it's really cool how they've managed to. Uh, one of the ways I described it in my my review is that they they take you on the scenic route, like you you really feel like there's these story bits that are coming in and you're enjoying it. There's there's a lot to it and whatnot, but you're getting this like longer journey that is in this that's enjoy and that makes it enjoyable it, it makes it feel like feel mm -hmm. a lot more loose because even the story isn't as intense in how you're having to follow things because it, 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 it again there's a natural feel to it that they that they've managed to employ I got a question about the environments. Are they cos are they mostly cosmetic or do they change the gameplay at all? Like if you're in the snow area, like slow you down well there there know. isn't a snow area i'll go ahead and say that there is i'm just a, there's just snow throwing area. out an example <laughs> that'll be in the third uh, game <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right. exactly they're saving it uh there is a a bit of difference but the way that they actually approach the change in areas is it actually affects your transport so the chocobos of each region are different like okay. when you get to when you're in the grasslands, your chocobos are just kind of normal. You're just riding around doing all these things. You get to Junon and then there's some cliff faces. But because the chocobos in Junon have longer talons and longer let and stronger legs, they can actually kind of climb up the sheer rock face. 
Sure. So they've got that. Like in Gungaga, there's there's actually, I guess, like a backstory with the mushrooms of Gungaga and how people like to eat them and stuff like that. And they grow that sure you can get do. them fresh here, but they can't. But you, you can't get them over in Midgar and all this kind of stuff. But part of it is is the the chocobos that are there have the ability to glide and they bounce off the mushrooms. So that's kind of another way of getting to different areas quickly in different spaces. So it's just it's it's a really cool way to use your environment without without making it an extra difficulty on the player. Like it like instead of oh I've got to climb all this crap. <laughs> it's no, I'll use a chocobo and just bounce up there. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Um as far as combat and I'll I'm not going to talk a lot on the story like it, we know a lot of what the story is, but what most people want to know about the story is too spoilery. And yeah, the like, new stuff. I'm, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's well, good. I, 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 I can tell you it's. <laughs> 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 uh, it it blew my mind when Goku came out of nowhere and blocked Whoa, Sephiroth. Oh, well, oh, I mean, finally. it just blew me away. Well, that's and pretty then, original, at least. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then Yellow Lantern came in and stabbed her anyway. Oh. It's like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't change uh, fate it's no. <laughs> yeah exactly uh but it's like they do a really good job of staying true to the original with a lot of the the story like i i i am someone who hasn't played the 1997 game i did a lot of like outside research so i know what happens in the game because i i watched that i ended up watching advent children i i was introduced their kingdom hearts to the characters uh so I love the characters. I learned all about the different stuff, just never played the original game. But I can tell you from my research, they, they've done a really good job at staying true to what the characters are. Uh, and, and the characters are the stars of the show. The 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 people that are doing the, the, the voiceovers, they are phenomenal. They do a great job. Uh, Cody Christian as Cloud is amazing. He was he was amazing in remake. Uh, but one of my favorite characters was Red 13 because he gets a re they do a really good job of giving him a lot of screen time in Rebirth. And Max Middleman does a fantastic job of voicing the character. So just overall, just fantastic. Something I did not realize is Tyler Hoechlin, uh actor. He does Superman in Superman and Lois, like in the CW series. Oh, uh, wow. He is he is Sephiroth. Like, oh, totally blew my mind. <laughs> uh, I think he was in Teen Wolf, some other things uh, just was one of those things of, wow, he's actually kind of a, a bigger name and he's voicing Sephiroth. It's just kind of cool. How did he do? Um, he, he did fantastic. He's in, as I wrote, haunting and intimidating. Uh, just it, Sephiroth that's, is that's one of those Sephiroth characters you have to get right. And they got it right. Like, honestly, that all the characters are done right. Uh, I, I think I mentioned in our preview, we were talking about Rebirth uh, about a month or so ago. Uh, there was Crybaby Ned <laughs> in the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. He was like, when I cry, I play Queen's Blood better. <laughs> it's just, they all, it's either, it feels like it's either, man, you really nailed your performance or, man, you were just out there and that makes this all the more better <laughs> with the side characters, which the uh, the side stuff is really good. There's some really great, stories that really get you invested even more with these these cast of characters like they, they're still very obviously 
going with this with that whole love triangle with Cloud and Tifa and Aerith, like to the point where you're just kind of sitting there as like, I don't know who I want Cloud to end up with. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> okay. <Aerith. laughs> okay. I, was curious, I was curious where what Jack's choice was. I I I after playing Rebirth, I love Aerith so much. <laughs> like her character is just so great. I would, but I also love irony. Tifa. <laughs> oh yeah, Tifa. So yeah. like, I would Tifa roll with irony though. Give me Sephiroth and Aerith. There you go. <laughs> oh, that happens. <laughs> <He's>, yeah. <laughs> In a Moving way. on before I say something that I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, we so combat. Uh, that is a humongous part of. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and uh, I will argue that Final Fantasy VII Rebirths is the best in the franchise. Uh, they have done, and I say franchise, not series, franchise. Like They they have absolutely nailed it in terms of the impact of combat. Uh, I don't know what exactly, like some, there's a dev that sat down with, re, looked at Remake. He's like, okay, how do we make this even better than it already was? Because Remakes was good. Like, I really enjoyed the way Remakes was. But in this, in Rebirth, there's just a, a punch and impact that it has. It's It might just be the way that they've adjusted some different things like sound, uh, particle effects. Whatever they have done just adds that extra flair, that extra punch that just takes it up to just a, 11. Like, it, it, this is S-tier combat. And I, I've... I love kind of the little mini game that is underneath all of it, where even the even the smaller battles, it's not just swing your swing the buster sword like that's that's kind of I did a lot of that in remake because I just I love cloud, but I also just he can brute force his way through a lot of things. And in this, maybe some of it is to do with the whole open world aspect where it's a lot easier to encounter things that are above your level because obviously remake being more linear it's kind of hard for them to constantly make you fight things in front of you that are tougher because there's no turning around grinding and coming back <laughs> yeah and remake like if you play the hard mode that's when you have to really change around to all the characters and really play the game and so yeah it's kind of how it is normally in rebirth yeah, it's a lot closer to that because I found myself actually swapping between different different party members and trying to figure out, okay, so and some of it is because there's there feels like there's just a lot more creatures, a lot of different creatures in the game. But I kept being like, okay, I can do this. I can use this ability with Aerith. And I'm, I started noticing, okay, this is staggering more. Or, oh, Tifa getting these punches in really hurts this specific creature. Like, just I started learning the rock, paper, scissors of a lot of this. And it's just a lot of fun to sit there and, and figure out, okay, I'm engaging in this. This is going to be a tough fight. I need to figure out what this weakness is, how to how to how to counteract these these different creatures. And and you even start to learn it without doing without doing your assess like you even get to the point where you you start it feels like there's a lot more cues in figuring that out as opposed to only being having to do it with with the assess because that was something in the previous game that i relied on and it didn't always like in here you don't always get the the reading that tells you this is what you're supposed to do like in one of the uh, i'm not going to spoil 
anything in it. But in one of the final boss battles that you engage in, there, there's literally a section where you just start going on the colors that change. Uh, and and you're like, okay, that means I should probably use this spell <laughs> to, and, and it's a weakness and will help me with this. And, and you pick up on these different things and it just, again, just engage. It's That's a very engaging combat system to, to give me a reason to use a character other than just, just Cloud. Sure, uh, yeah. Give me a reason to engage. And, and with there being seven, up to seven different party members to be able to use, that's a very impressive thing to do because that they are very different characters. It's not that some are similar. Like, for instance, Red 13, I would argue he has a similar skill set to Tifa because he's about the like the on the ground close up brawling. He's just mm-hmm. a little more tanky than she is and he has certain abilities that are just a little bit more useful than hers are where she's she's not going to take a punch as well she's not going to take the damage as easily but her staggering ability makes it worth having her on the playing field because she she a lot of times will get that that stagger in there from her martial arts so it's it's these little again that 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 rock, paper, scissors, where you're just learning, you're figuring out. I, I did end up running a lot of Cloud Barrett Aerith. Sure, yeah. Because it's not, because I like having, I like having a lot of long range <laughs> because yeah. I can sit back away and because Cloud, he's just going to run forward and, you know, whack at the these bad things and it's like, okay, well, he can be kind of the distraction. The He can be the aggro and I can sit back with Barrett and Aerith and just swap between it, just shoot until they look one or the other way. And that actually happened a lot. I, I learned very quickly, okay, if I hit this enemy enough, it eventually turns and looks at me. And then I would immediately switch to the next character and start popping it and let that character auto guard because I am awful at guarding. <laughs> like this, this game adds like actual like abilities in on guarding. Like they're they're literal actual like neat counter abilities that you do tag team, and nah, it did nothing for me. Like absolutely nothing. I think I might have countered once. I'm just I forget. No, I don't. I think it's something you can learn, but it's something that is not built into my DNA. I, I am I am a button masher person. Like I can learn to counter. Sure, yeah. But and if I'm playing a game that encourages it, like it, like a, a, a Souls game, like I learn, but a lot of times I dodge roll more than I parry. And that happens in, in Final Fantasy as well. I will spend way more time dodging <laughs> than, than I'm going to with, with any of the other characters. Would. Yeah. So, like, it. it it, it's just it was a lot of fun just figuring all these different things out, uh, adjust giving different materia to different characters to give them like uh, obviously one of the first things I did was going, OK, I need to buy as much healing material as possible because I need to spread that through the whole party. Everybody needs to be able to heal <laughs> because I, I do not need to be stuck in a moment uh, because there are different sections of the game where they will be like, hey, you're fighting with these this set of people. And that's something the game does really well is it has party locks where, hey, Barrett and Tifa are out taking care of this. So it's you and Aerith and Red 13 that are having to fight uh, Cloud and 
Aerith. But so you're doing this, but then you go running into help Barrett and Tifa. So you went and they stay behind. So it's like all of a sudden in this level, you're fighting with different party members at different times for different things. So it's just, it's a very, you're, you're having to pay attention to the whole party. And that's something that's really cool. Like I, I when I got to that final boss fight area, it, there were some people in my party that I really did not give a lot of attention to. And I paid for it a couple of times in, having to overuse potions, having to overdo certain things, having to be like, oh, okay, well, this is the guy I equipped this to. I'm going to have to use this materia yeah. uh, and I have to pay attention as these ATB gauges build up so I can use my abilities. And it, it just, it, sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it did not. It, it, I got so mad in the very last boss fight because there were several times I, I straight up would save my limit. Like my limit breaker, sure, yeah. like I've got, I'm going to use this at the right moment. Tell you what, that right moment, I used it and it didn't matter. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> it, like it just wasn't the right it, moment. Yeah, it, it's there's, <clears throat> but I kept playing. The thing was, is I kept going back though, and that's how much fun the combat, how engaging it is. Is it's not one of those where it makes you mad and you're just like, I'm going to quit. Like I'm done playing this. Sure, it's okay. No, back to the draw. How can I play this differently? to give me that edge that I need to finish this boss fight out that even extends to, they've got these synergy abilities that they had introduced in intermission where it's the tag team abilities. So essentially when you use your ATB gauge, it builds up charges and yep. you have to, this is another whole thing of use the different characters because each character has to have a certain number of charges to use the synergy ability. Well, I went through a lot of the game and was thinking in my head, okay, the only useful synergy ability is the one where I can do the most damage. I was a stupid idiot <laughs> because I got toward the latter parts of the game and suddenly started realizing all of the different synergies and their abilities. Like there's one that you can use with Cloud and Tifa where it does some damage, but the, the synergy actually unlocks a small window where all of your magic is unlimited. Like, so mm. you're able to spend materia like like I was able to go and be like, OK, I can heal my whole party with this. So I need to make sure I'm paying attention to what I'm using here. Like, it's not just yeah. the knockout blow that these synergies are good for. It's not just doing extra damage. Sometimes it's that sometimes it was uh, you can actually your ATB. You have two two bars on your ATB gauge. You can actually split it into three so that not only you're earning ATB charges faster, but you have an extra one. which was useful with some of the more powerful abilities like Barrett has a, a a skill shot that you can do which is a, or a focus shot which is a a staggering move that you can use one ATB gauge for it but it's going to be a lot more stagger if you can build up two sure, so yeah. if I if I've got the three ATB gauges going well suddenly I can build it all the way to three and still have and get two shots out of it uh and that extends even further with some of the other there's some different levels to the way that they've done the synergies like that there was some that gives certain characters some health back some different things but it's just it's it's really cool that these abilities are not just okay this is just a a tag team limit like th there yeah. was some thought put into this of how can this benefit you how how can the, how can you even strategize with this new new thing that we've included.
and guarding didn't work. <laughs> so I'm glad synergy did. <laughs> guarding didn't work for me. I, I really think that like there's some people they're going to get a lot of boost out of like some of these defensive things, counterattacks, all that. It's going to work great for you. Does not work for me. If you're an aggressive player, there's at least a decent chance you're going to forget. I um, I straight up forget to guard. Like it doesn't matter if an extra ability is tied to it. I'm just not even guarding. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have that problem in Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, but I'm I'm good at dodging things perfectly. <laughs> well, so, I, I again, I just play too aggro. <laughs> That's it's my sure. fault. <laughs> How many characters can be on the field at the same time? You mentioned that there's seven. Uh, there are seven. You can do three at a time. Uh, just like the original, uh, just like a, a remake, okay. they do have some. I didn't get to experiment a lot with it, but there is what's called backline command, where I, I believe you can actually use synergies with like there's characters in the background, and they aren't mm. doing like a, much of anything beyond like you. It's almost like they're in the battle, but they're not in the battle because yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're yelling out. You can hear like Barrett, if he's not in your party, gunshots and all that kind of stuff. But like, I, b I believe you can still use synergies with like the backline command so that you still could, could take advantage of some of these things, depending on who's on the battlefield. So th there's some use. It's just not, uh, obviously you're not getting full use out of these characters that aren't in your party. Well, that's the big difference between this and remake, right? Is because you mentioned the party walking. I mean, that's, in the entirety of remake until you get to the post game is party locked. And now you have the option yep. to do all these different guys. And so you have a lot of yep. strategy you can do now. Yep. There's, there's a, and because of the open world, it just unlocks a lot of potential in how to do it. It, but like I said, with the way the game plays, like, like you said, you, there was already a lot of lock to it. So you really did. You really had no choice in thinking, okay, let's switch these abilities around. Like there really wasn't a point to it because for the most part, it's okay. What kind of material do I want? That's, that's really was the only big thing you could switch out and remake. It felt like here it really is. Okay. Is this party member going to be better in this battle? Uh, which I have to give them a lot of credit with the battles. Uh, if you die in, in a battle, you get the option to either immediately resume it, uh, or you can actually resume it like before the battle and swap everything. Like, so out, so it, yeah. it gives you a chance to like, or, or you could go back obviously to your last save, like your last checkpoint, which usually is a lot farther back. So I, I'm glad they have that middle ground of, okay, you can stop like right before it because it did have definitely have a lot of those. I would get to an area. I would look to my right. Oh, there's a bench and a thing I can buy potions and stuff from and a folio thing where I can swap my skills around. I'm about to fight a boss <laughs> or at least a very big enemy. <laughs> so it was, it, it was a little telegraphed, but they, uh, I just said bosses. Uh, they're just phenomenal bosses in this game. Um, there's there's also a lot of stages to the bosses and that's what makes them a lot of fun. Like you'll, I guess that's just classic JRPG. <laughs> oh, I beat this boss. No, you didn't. <laughs> you just <laughs> moved on to the face. next way. He like, you just moved on to the next thing he's going to do. <laughs> yep. So they so stack it, up against the hell house. Uh, uh, yeah, I did the, that, that was uh the hell house was something in remake. I, I definitely, I think, that, I think that's the that. best fight in that game. <laughs> <laughs> 
but there there are a ton of just really great boss fights uh just fantastic boss fights in in rebirth and again that that save system the way that they have it structured is really useful because there were a few times where i would beat something and get to a certain part and i was like oh good well at least i don't have to fully start over Right here. Is that all you got? Anything else on the bosses? No, I just love how just they're they're these multi-layer boss fights. They're just they're just so much fun to mess around with. And I guess the last thing is the mini games that they've kind of gone full Yakuza (laughs) with the mini games like the game's already that I'm glad that they kept the whole quirky, weird style of Final Fantasy VII. Like people forget that was a that was an odd game. <laughs> sure, there's a lot of oddities, and it doesn't disappear here. Like it's still that weird weirdness to it. It's like, oh, I'm I'm trying to search after these like Sephiroth clones and stuff to try to find Sephiroth, but I'm on a beach, so I need to go and do mini games so that I can earn a beachware so I can actually go on the beach. Yeah, well, like <laughs> I can chase down ten, Sephiroth ten minutes, clones. <laughs> you know, in the original 10 minutes after like Eris dies, you go snowboarding. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just how it is. <laughs> yep. This is what Aerith would want me to do right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 awesome that they've kept a lot of that that same energy here. But it's it's in the mini games. The mini games are just all over the place. There's a lot of fun ones. Like they they've got one where red like like red thirteen. You're doing like almost a rocket league kind of style thing <laughs> in it. In one of the mini games, they've got like a shooting gallery that's in first person. That, that there's motorcycle racing. There's chocobo racing. Uh, they've got like this poly brawling like three D brawler thing in there uh fort Sock condor comes back yeah it, it looks <laughs> like that um fort condor comes back the tower defense game from remake in more of a poly uh 3d poly form uh that's it's tied to some specific uh, side missions though it's not like a go everywhere and you'll find people playing it but it's still a lot of fun uh my favorite thing was queen's blood the card game i i need a physical version of this like in the in the real world now so that i can i can collect it uh this is the first time i can ever remember playing a video game and giving a crap about a card game in it like i just don't care most games they throw a card it's like oh you didn't like gwent i'd never even bothered uh didn't want i didn't care to learn the mechanics just didn't care about any of these different things here like it, it's actually a part of the story like there are actually some sections that are straight like in the story where you're doing where you're playing the cards and such and different uh, side quests and whatnot i actually spent in-game gill on cards David. to get better cards <laughs> like I, it, it became an obsession no. it became an it's obsession like trying to build the try, like looking at the card that I just won off of a guy and like, okay, is this a useful card for my deck? Is it not? Like, how can I swap things around? Like the, the it's a very simple card game, but it has some really great, like new things to it that you, as you get these new cards, you're like, Ooh, could I, I wonder if I could do this or, or this. And it, 
I guess the best part about it is they're very quick matches. Like they're they're like three minute matches for the most oh, part. Like fast. you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna play these for very long. So it's it's very easy to play it, but that makes it very easy to get addicted to. <laughs> yeah. So I I, uh, I had a lot of fun with it and Marvel Snap of Final yeah, Fantasy. I need to I need to uh, go back and there were a, a couple of players that I did not defeat and need to go. Def- they're, they're d- already defeated. Wait, it's I, just, they don't know yet. Okay. Cause I was like, how are you calling yourself the champ? Well, uh, I did. So it, there, there is, there is a tournament that you play at one point and I won that tournament. So okay. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the champ. Well, they're coming for your belt. <laughs> <laughs> Like, but there's still like level. You actually gain levels as a player. Like every time you beat three players, like you gain a like status. You get a status upgrade as a as a professional player. So I need to finish that completely out. What are the chances they release this as a mobile game? I could see it very easily. This card game. I could see it very easily, and it's it's cool because they're these characters are or the the cards are like Final Fantasy characters. So like you're playing so, yeah. like Fat Chocobo and <laughs> and Moogle and like all these different creatures. Like it's a whole lot of fun. Um, it's funny because I jumped into mini games and I really didn't talk about like the side quests are good. The open world there are some things called world intel in there where you're going around and doing like these smaller level things like activating the towers uh going and scanning certain live stream crystals and such and whatnot that it's fine like it's how you earn points to unlock chadley's materia and such but it's not something that i was ever really oh i just have to do this but it also only takes like a minute or so to do so it's it's not a obtrusive side questing if that makes sense, like it's it's not anything that I'm like, it's is repetitious. But at the same point, it's like, well, it's also not that much of a pain to do either. So it's like a Spider-Man thing. Yeah. Well, the let me remind everyone that the pigeon missions were a pain in the butt to do. So I'm glad that. Well, yeah, well, I, I, that one. Yeah. That that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like, actually fine though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't too bad, but it's it's that thing of like, okay, this is really quick. I know exactly where these things are. Sometimes you even just come across them in the open world, and it's like, okay, I'm literally gonna wait for the circle to go down to the button and hit the button three times, and boom, I'm done with this. Like it's it's stuff that gives me extra points just for engaging in the open world. So, like, it's it's one of those things. Does it make the game tremendously better? I don't think so, but it doesn't detract from the game either. Like it, it's just extra stuff to do in the open There's world for quests. extra rewards. <laughs> there are other good side quests, and the mini games are fantastic. So it's like, okay, <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> this is just open world stuff. All right. Um, beyond that, game is gorgeous. Uh, the soundtrack is fantastic. I mean, who everybody knows the sound. Uh, it's a Final Fantasy game. Soundtrack should be fantastic. Uh, there was some visual stuff with performance mode where there's some muddy textures and it doesn't look as pretty as it could but so I, I'm, I'm a little bit like square come on this happened with 16 as well <laughs> where you had performance mode issues and whatnot at, at least with this one uh, the 60 frames is very stable 
compared to the other one it was it wasn't uh and and there's definitely not as a lot of dropping but like it, it's more just some muddy textures some pop in like again stuff that isn't like harming the experience like too terribly but it's like man this could this could look even prettier than it already is <laughs> and you played this on ps5 yes yes yeah. yes so it, it is PS5. only on, it's only yeah. on ps5 <laughs> but good news uh cutscenes are i mean absolutely it's a square enix game <laughs> like cutscenes are always like incredible in those game and even the in-game cutscenes look great so but uh we ended up giving this one uh, it it was a 95 out of 100 like th Ooh. this game is incredible absolutely a game of the year contender uh i i was looking at a lot of the scores uh i maybe it's just me it's not necessarily i i was thinking that there might be some people that were harder on some of the open world elements and some of the texture drops and stuff than I was. But on Medic, <laughs> excuse me, Bless you. on, That's on Metacritic, the on I think there's... <laughs> the first sneezer. There we go. Yeah. I think, I believe on Metacritic, uh, there's like 114, 118 reviews. And this thing is sitting at a 93. Like everybody's loving this game. It is fantastic. Uh, and also, I am very proud of one of the lines that I wrote. I said, rebirth reaches heights. You'd need one wing to touch. Very proud of that. Yeah. Objection. All right. Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Very good. 95. Yep. It you can tell they were confident in it when it's like, hey, embargo's a week before release. It's like, oh <laughs> you uh you usually good a good sign. Usually, yeah. Yep. One of the things they said that the reason that the game is just came together as well as it did is the team was a lot I think they said ninety percent of the team stayed together from remake to build this. That matters. Wait. Yeah, well, it's it's just another reminder of, you know, I know that contractors are cheaper, but you don't get that same camaraderie when it's somebody brand new having to be brought onto the project. Uh, and not to mention, they built Rebirth, which, again, it, I'm not saying it's a completely different game than what Remake is. But I mean, it's it, there's a lot of elements that are completely different than what Remake is. And they got this out in four years. Like it's it, it that's not even counting the fact of they ported the original to PS5 and did a pretty good sizable DLC. So it's impressive what they've done. It still feels like remake just came out to me, but yeah, it's been. I, I know it, it, <laughs> it does. It, yeah. I mean, it was during COVID 2020. Like, again, it very impressive that they got this out in right under four years. During COVID, time slowed down, so it, it feels yep. it doesn't feel as long as it's yeah. been. <laughs> All right, let's let's spin the wheel. We didn't spin the wheel last week. Yeah, let's bring out the wheel oh. of questions. All right, this yeah, is we don't have cross this questions on this at this time. <laughs> do I have cross? I can add. We some don't. No, don't. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were excited about the crotch question. Uh, all right, here we go. Here we big go. Big money. Big money. Uh, this. All right, what is the most useless appliance or unnecessary addition to an appliance you've ever seen? Now, I added this question because I was walking through 
uh, Best Buy. And while they have some appliances and some Best Buys, I saw a refrigerator where you could connect your smartphone to it. And I thought to myself, why? Why would I need to connect my smartphone to a item in an appliance that keeps my food cold? And I thought that was weird and completely unnecessary. I didn't really look into it further. Maybe there's some actual use to that, but I thought that was stupid. So, um, what is the most useless appliance or necessary addition to an appliance you've ever seen, Jack? I mean, you kind of put me on the spot on this one. I mean, I, like all that stuff with the internet appliances, like <laughs> why would you need the internet for anything? I mean, it's almost like right? this is like an excuse for it to break early. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you get um, a virus and like your refrigerator no yeah. longer can be cold. Or it's like my Xbox where you download a firmware update and it's dead. Like they kill switch it. <laughs> but, but, um, David, I mean, did I your uh, Xbox fridge get a red ring yet? Uh, it has not, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, wait for the next model to come out. Hmm. <laughs> um, I, mean, I have not. I, like... oh, I was Go just going to say, I have not got the Series S toaster, so. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's coming. That's, that's the next Xbox that Phil was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's like so many like use. I mean, this probably isn't really what you you meant by like appliance, but like whenever I go looking for like office supplies for like, because, you know, I work in the legal field and so we have a billion like files and stuff, cabinets, all that kind of crap. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many useless like subclassifications of like different types of folders and like label machines and stuff. And it's like, it's so, I mean, it's so, one, it's so expensive. Like, I don't understand how you're charging like 60 bucks for a folder that holds papers i mean it's ridiculous to me <laughs> but <laughs> what does it do does it like staple your folders for you like what is it what does it do well i mean so like there's different folders you get so like if you have like so you know, like if we store case files you have like a big like accordion kind of folder and you have different then you can get like different separators that like separate yeah. oh this is like medical sure. records this is blah, blah, i got blah, some blah. of that yeah yeah and i mean it's just like different like label machines you can buy to like i'm gonna like print out a label for this by typing this like little thing that you get and it like prints it out and it's like you can also like just use a printer or a computer and i, I don't know like it's it's like such a specific thing where you don't have somehow you need this but not like you can just use your computer or a printer that you almost certainly have and it's like i don't know why you would need to spend money on something like this other yeah, than that sounds it yeah so I guess that's the closest thing I can think of. I don't really, I haven't really, yeah, I'm not shopping that much for appliances lately. So I guess I haven't got, I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't either. I just walked yeah. by and I was like, what the frick is this for? Yeah. What I don't have the latest fridge firmware. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to, there's like, I actually had to go through like a, a, a list of like things that are kind of useless mainly because it's like, I've, I know I've seen some of these things and I'm trying to remember specifically uh like one of xbox toaster yeah one one of the things that like this was kind of weird to me like i don't know who needs this uh smart water bottles wait what the frick is that they're literally like rg water bottles that have rgb on the bottom of them <laughs> but also automatically track your water intake to go to fitness apps and stuff like oh, bam there's so many ounces in this bottle. 
drink the whole bottle, you've drank that many ounces. And I don't want to have to micromanage my water. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not that hard. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't understand. Like, one of the others that's kind of useless, in my opinion, is like soda makers. Like, just go buy soda. <laughs> Like I get that some people, you know, make like their own kind of specific kinds or what. Go, it's not going to taste as good. It just straight up isn't. <laughs> like, well, I mean, there's there's people who make their own like beers and stuff. I suppose. So I, I guess get they can that, how but to make not soda. Like well, it's so cheap, put... though. Because <laughs> they're not putting that high fructose corn syrup well, up in it. Half the time they're putting. Half the time it comes with like pepsi like syrup for them to put it i'm like oh really hey, just go buy a pepsi <laughs> like but yeah there's, there's a lot of like there's a lot of like super random things that you see and you're like eh, i don't know that that that's just kind of point like i saw banana slicer <laughs> like <laughs> i understand like like it's actually shaped like a banana and it's like you know the apple slicers no what like you know what an, you've seen weed. the apple slicers yes, yes, right yes, the apple slicers the, that sense. is actually useful yeah <laughs> because an apple is not a fruit you can break into segments oh. with your hands sure yes you don't just and like i'm pretty sure you can get a knife and real quick make very specific slices if it's that big a deal uh, that's just another random stupid thing to wash like <laughs> <laughs> It is like it's just That's a random. banana slice. There's a lot of kitchen appliances like that, where it's <laughs> it like just, just a random no hyper specific cutter or some kind of like measuring device that's hyper specific that you don't really need. There's a ton of like weird cooking stuff like yeah, that. Like my, like mom, my mom's really into that. that. <laughs> there's at least stuff that makes sense. Like I, I think a juicer is largely useless, but I get the function because most people buy juicers and never actually use them. Like it's one of those. Christmas gifts that everybody gets but never actually does anything with. Yeah, juicers are weird. Like I have a Vitamix that's super useful. Yeah, uh, juicers. Yeah, I don't know. And I get that for some people, certain appliances obviously are way more useful than others. But it's just there are some that just like like you said, there's some things that it's just like why? Like a, again, a smart water bottle. Oh, good, <laughs> it tracks that I drank two ounces of this, and right. it had RGB on the bottom. <laughs> Got what does that do? Like, what what is the purpose of that even? RGB. You look, you look yeah. stupid. <laughs> it's cool, it's it's, cool on computers. I'm not entirely sure it's cool on a water bottle. Here, I'm actually. If you want to pull, are you up, gonna pull like, this up? Oh my god! We go. We're about <laughs> to look. a smart water bottle. Hold on, let me find this. Let me bring this out. Oh my gosh, it's eighty dollars. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh my gosh! Look what the base the base glows <laughs> when it's time to drink when it to remind you when it's time to drink, guys. Oh my and gosh. it's just the bottom of it. Like I think it would make more sense if the cap, I get, or maybe the body of it was RGB. But well, it's the literally cap's removable, so I guess that's probably why it's got 257 reviews, and they're all mostly positive. Mostly positive. Well, again, <laughs> how many of these are bought? Like reviews? not practical. <laughs> I bought the pro. There's a pro version of this water bottle. <laughs> At first, it seemed to make sense. <laughs> it just gets worse. <laughs> oh, and 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 it actually has a GPS tracker in it, so that you don't lose your water bottle. 
<laughs> I quit. <laughs> I think I I think I win. <laughs> I think I win this question. Yeah, water bottle so. for those with medical needs. <laughs> okay, great. that makes sense. I'll get the medical need part. You know, okay. okay. I can I can understand Customize your glow to match your style. Like that just cracks me <laughs> oh up. Like, that's that's <laughs> in the actual selling. Like, oh, that's good. I have had issues with this bottle intermittently since I opened the box. It's a water bottle. You shouldn't be having issues with your water bottle when you open the box. (laughs) Needs an update. Yep. Probably does. Doesn't work yet. Since I got it, it's a water bottle. You put water in it. God dang it. It's like, can you not drink from it? Like, is that the. (laughs) Which doesn't work. The RGB? The water tracker? Oh my God. Like, does it tell you how many ounces this is? You're welcome. 32. And you, Look but you, yeah, that's the biggest one you can buy. You can Wait, buy. Hold on, did you though. you scroll past? It's like this bottle literally changed my life. <laughs> this bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where? That that by page up there in the gray box. Oh, this <laughs> bottle literally changed my literally, life. Guys, literally, guys. <laughs> literally, not figuratively. Seems extreme, but this bottle has changed my life. I had to say it twice. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is this is great. I'm so glad you showed this. This is You're fantastic. Welcome. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm really sad that no I'm really sad that Noah missed this because he would be dying. <laughs> the world's smartest water bottle just got bigger. Like Gosh. I understand like there's apparently like self-cleaning water bottles that they have like it's like the like That's the mildly UV, useful the UV light hard to the clean, UV light and clean. stuff that makes sense. Yeah, that's a little much with UV light, but yeah, I get it. I, I get it. It, it may at least at least there's a direction here as to usefulness. Like, <laughs> oh my god, the Hydrate Spark Pro is now available. In yeah, the, the RGB just just sends me like that, oh my that, god, just the extra part. It's just something I didn't expect to <laughs> stay this long on this, but that that was that was that was great. <laughs> that alone. Was this is the it. content you come here for, people. Thank you for showing that. <laughs> that made my night. Okay. <laughs> we knew we know the four <laughs> Xbox games that have officially been announced. They are they actually are that's coming. probably what we're getting next. We're getting an Xbox smart water bottle. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's probably the, the cylindrical one it'll, that was yeah, it'll be in the Cisco. same shape of the adorably digital console. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. what it is. It's just a water bottle. <laughs> can play uh, yeah now. sorry but yeah <laughs> xbox four games <laughs> yes uh so it is officially sea of thieves hi-fi rush pentiment and grounded uh david you have the dates uh yes pentiment came pentiment, out today i know that pentiment came out today it's only 20 recording. bucks which it was already on it was already 20 bucks so uh hi-fi rush is march 19th uh grounded is april 16th and Sea of Thieves is April 30th. Now, Pentiment, something that I thought was really interesting is Pentiment and Grounded uh, are both uh, PS4 as well as PS5. Oh, interesting. So it's not just next-gen drops. Um, okay. But Pentiment and Grounded are also the only games coming to the Switch. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush is PS5 only as well as Sea of Thieves. Oh. Yep. I wonder if it's still going to come to Switch later. I think I think I, I get the feeling it'll probably be Switch Two. My guess is it's yeah. a frame rate issue. 
it's probably something where they want it run it to run it like 60 like the game style fits but the given it is a rhythm game like you really need that frame rate to be going I would imagine yeah something they said is it's it's partially because the the entire world moves in the rhythm it's not just one character or whatnot so yeah that that probably takes a lot of uh power for it to run so that makes sense uh you wanted to show us something i think it was sea of thieves related yes yes sea of thieves it should be uh it should be still there in the in the chat to click it, no, set us up. It's, what 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 is so so? I really enjoyed how Sea of Thieves decided to announce that they were coming to PS5. They did a a special video that they they ended up dropping. Like it okay. is really good. Let's watch it. Well, I think it's about time we sorted that. Sea of Thieves is coming to PlayStation <laughs> Five. Just. Just the everybody asking for it on PlayStation. You want to know something that is one of the craziest facts uh, about Sea of Thieves coming to PS5? Yep. It is the first game that Rare will ever release on a PlayStation platform. They have never released a single game on a PlayStation platform. So it's just that's pretty crazy. Just they've been around for what, 20, 40 years, something like that, and never put out a game on a PlayStation. I mean, it makes sense. At first, they were making all their games oh, yeah. for Nintendo, they, and then Nintendo. they got bought by and, Xbox, and now they were making yeah. games for Xbox. So. It, it's They've just been around so long, you just, you think in your head, well, maybe they've done something somewhere, but I guess just the, I think it was Nintendo had an ownership stake in them, didn't they? Like, a, or I some think so. sort of, like... I think it was like, something along the lines of, like, what they had. They didn't own them, systems. but they had a, they had some sort of, like, investment there. It was more like a second-party studio, like, Intelligent yeah. Systems, for example, who does Fire Emblem. So it was just, it's just, it's cool to see that one. Something that really struck me on these four is they're hitting fast. Like I, mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be like drawn out. Like you have something I could see like Pentiment or whatnot coming in, you know, decently quickly, not day after <laughs> yeah. uh, the announcement. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush is one of those. Oh, maybe they'll drop that in the summer. You know, grounded Sea of Thieves. Those seem like they might take a little bit of extra time. Sea of Thieves. We, I honestly kind of thought that was going to be later half of the year. Um, I'm actually, and again, this is opinion. This is not anything that I know. I'm, I'm curious as if they are really looking at what else can they bring uh, to other systems in the second half. Oh, in the second like, half, just, <laughs> like. It's just the the way these are arranged. You're not even Xbox won't even be out of their uh, fiscal year because they they're a June end of June company, correct? I believe with their fiscal years. I think it's the start of June. Yeah, it's start oh, no, of it's June July. or end of June. No, it's, it's one. It's, yeah, it's I was like, yeah, end July. of June, Sorry. end of June, start of July. Yeah, so it's right. like it. So the fact that these are all coming out within <laughs> the last fiscal year, like uh, it, it's just that oddness there's an oddness need that to it money now i thought i thought this was all going to be spread out so it just gives you that thing of okay if they release these and they feel good about them do they have other plans i'm not saying starfield i'm not again not saying big huge things i'm just in my head i'm just like maybe they'll think about putting some other games out there like somebody had said you know maybe gears might get that whole gears collection supposedly that's being worked on maybe they do something like that for the holidays or something you just 
again, this is the first four. We know that, but they've never denied that there will be more. It won't be more after it. Like it sure. wasn't these yeah. four and no more. It was a, Hey, we're going to look at this. So, but the, it's just the time frame. You, you it's, it's just curious about the spacing. Cause I mean, you're, you're talking, it's not even one a month. All of these are within two months. Yep. I think, I think it's just one of those things. Why wait? Yeah. We got it announced there. There already are finished games. So they're basically being ported. So if we can do it, why wait? Yep. So, I mean, they, they I think it's a good idea. Generation. I think it's a good idea. Cause then it gives them a little bit of momentum too. Like they, because one of the things that struck well, me about the school year, of course, too. So, yeah, well, it strikes me like because that Xbox podcast, I mean, everything else aside, I think that's like the least exciting way to talk about or announce something like this ever. And so like having but actually having all this like where here's all the games. Here's when they're coming out. It's all very soon. Mm-hmm. I think that makes I mean, it's semi exciting at least you can kind of like get behind it. But oh, yeah, we're. Xbox is making their big move doing this. And so it starts here and it's kind of exciting where like, yeah, I'll get Pentiment because it exists and then Hi-Fi Rush. And then, then if someone wants to like, I don't know, does anyone really want to play grounded? But yeah, (laughs) I do do find it a little bit odd just that, you know, they couldn't announce these four at the podcast. Like it It makes no sense, but like, but the only thing I can think is they, they, Yeah, the only thing I can think of is they agreed to tie him into there and Nintendo had some language where they yeah. couldn't say something. And because of that, it was like, well, I guess we can't say anything about the other ones. Um, But it was just like it was, it was just kind of odd, if that makes sense. Like just the the entire announcement sense, but... was the entire announcement in general was odd. Like <laughs> it was a business update. It was not meant to be <laughs> like this yeah. Uh, yeah. announcement. <laughs> Yeah, we've never seen a business update before. I'm sure they will probably not do one again, but that's what it was supposed to be, apparently. So it's a business okay. podcast, just like this one. Just, just <laughs> it's just weird because it all culminated finally in a blog post, and that's how we found out exact exactly right. what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Pentiment's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> Which uh, uh, I did buy that on the Switch. Like I put my money where my mouth is i want that game is fantastic and deserves to be purchased other places uh proof you need proof you gotta bring out the switch show us pentamid bot you can't just tell us you did it you gotta you gotta prove it yeah no one's gonna believe you yeah, <laughs> you can't call yourself the queen's blood I, champ no, i will i will uh i will make sure the... and bring my switch down next podcast and show mm-hmm. that i have pentamid on it Yep. And you gotta so, show the 100 percent complete save file too. Yeah, you're gonna have to put out, <laughs> you're gonna have to put out a tweet. I'm gonna have to have some time to like actually out. do it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, we don't know if it's real. We don't know if it was officially coming out in 2024, but the uh what I hope to be the Super Nintendo Switch is delayed till 2025 already, according to VGC. Is this is this correct, David? So according to several different journalists, uh, there was a Brazilian journalist that claimed that he has he received information from five separate sources, and it sounds like that a lot of the talk at GDC uh or dice, not GDC, dice. Uh, was a, there was a lot of industry sources where they've been able to where they've kind of had some different things that has been said back and forth and they've heard it from multiple sources. So the the original 
post that VGC had was that it was supposed to be coming out later this year, but now supposedly it's going to follow the a similar timeline to the original Switch and releasing possibly in March. Okay. I mean, that sounds like it makes sense. Yeah. My, my sources tell me it makes sense, yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, it was corroborated by it was corroborated by Eurogamer and Bloomberg. So, well, and I think the nature of these rumors in particular make more sense because they they just had a big gathering of developers where they would all know because a bunch of third parties are going to launch their stuff with the Switch. So I well, think and just yeah, the general and nature is going to be like, fun. hey, we're I not agree. putting this out right away. Like, hey, you don't plan on this for the holidays. I just find it a little funny that. We're announcing a delayed console that Nintendo hasn't actually announced yet. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it does make sense. I mean, I think it was uh, EA or Take-Two was like kind of insinuated like, yeah, you're kind of, you know, yeah, we, we make games for all platforms. We're glad the console still exists kind of comment. Um, so it's it's there. I mean, how old is the Switch at this point? Like seven years old? Seven eight years, years, yeah. Yeah, seven. So um, the the longest platform Nintendo has had uh, is the Game Boy at nine years. So uh, perhaps Nintendo had ideas to, you know, have the Switch go as long as possible. Now I'm talking about the Game Boy. That includes the Game Boy Pocket. The next iteration would technically be the Game Boy Color. So the Game Boy... Yeah, it was nine years in in existence before the Game Boy Color came out. So this is, I mean, this is kind of knocking on the door, but uh, I guess I guess it's just time. Yeah, well, it's always well, been I, the, I think... the sales. The sales are slowing down. Like that's really what has been with it. Like everybody knows, like the sales have slowed down. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think I'm glad you mentioned that because I think part of what's interesting about this news, I mean. I don't know about this part of the rumor. The part of the rumor is that they're not they're not launching it because the software isn't ready or Nintendo software isn't ready for it. Like they don't have everything they want to get out. But it's interesting to me that Nintendo part I kind of suspect that they're they're dreading releasing this this second switch to some extent. You think so? Why? I do I do because every time well historically if you look at the sales of every single Nintendo console, the sequel system always does worse than the original. Um, NES to Super yeah. NES, Game Boy yeah. to Game Boy Advance, Wii Wii U to Wii U. I mean, you know, it, it, it's like that with every single system. And so I think they see that and they see what they're releasing. Obviously, they know what they're releasing. They're like, well, no matter what we do, this is going to trend downwards. We're going to have to take some loss on this. Um, and so, loss you know, or I, is it just they they just didn't sell as many. You know, well, it's it's, it's kind of it's kind of messy with the business stuff. I mean, they're going to see it as a loss, even if it makes no sense. I mean, that's just how it works. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, I mean, um, the Game Boy Color sold well. The Game Boy Advance was a fantastic console. It sold well. Um, yeah, all of, all of them sold well, except for except Wii U. Except Wii U. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the GameCube didn't sell well either. Yeah, well, I mean, it was kind of a weird trend because it was like NES, then Super NES, then N64, then GameCube. So a downward trend. And then we kind of like revitalized it. Yeah. Um, But like, so I feel like if it's, it's telling to me that Nintendo would rather take a mediocre switch holiday over like messing up switch Two launch potentially. Oh, that's an interesting Um, point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you know, I, I think, cause I think if they, if they could, they would just stick with the normal switch forever. 
Like, <laughs> they yep. would just make other because it's so much cheaper. It's so much cheaper to make games for it, and then they all sell a bajillion copies. It's just like it. It's a lot more sustainable than having to play the arms race even a little bit. To, it makes from what sense, they're currently at the, doing. At the same point, though, you have so many third-party publishers that just can't make games well, for it at this point because it just the the porting is. I mean, you you almost have to build a new game now. To, well, to go I mean, on that for, for the Switch, regardless, you're almost going to have to yeah. rebuild well, they were, it at least a they, little bit. They were already at a disadvantage because almost none of the big third-party companies had started making stuff for well, the Switch. So they started behind, and then the, Ubisoft, the hardware Ubisoft got... is always oh, yeah. there with Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, well, and like, it's, it's interesting for yeah. Nintendo because for third parties, I mean, I always get the impression they see third parties as like a means to an end to like get people on their platform. But for something like Switch, where everyone has one, it's like, well, we don't really care if third parties have a hard time with this. <laughs> I mean, we're selling 20 million of Mario Wonder or whatever. It's, it's, yep. They got they got all the people in. And so the third parties, and I think you can kind of see it with just how they treat their eShop and yep. indies and all that kind of stuff. It's like, that stuff matters more in like the first, the first year when a console gets established. And after that, they're kind of like, oh, whatever. Like they, The big rumor from years ago was that they weren't willing to play a ball with take two or whatever on GTA mm -hmm. five because of the switch cartridges. And like, it seems ridiculous that they're not willing to move for like such a huge game, which would undoubtedly sell millions. But I also think they're like, well, we don't really care that much because we care about selling Nintendo games, and Nintendo hardware. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't think third party is necessarily a huge deal for them. And so that's part of the, what makes the switch too risky too is they got to start over on that so it's 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 going to be dangerous times i think for nintendo or at least a little bit i mean i'm sure it will sell millions it'll be successful to an extent but i think they're also kind of dreading it and this this move to delay the switch too even if it's going to hurt their holiday bottom line for this year is like you know they're, they're a bit hesitant probably I think. won't because mario kart 8 deluxe is probably going to sell another six million copies yeah well, that's, honestly, that's a whole honestly, other thing honestly, what, <laughs> hurts, what hurts more than anything is the industry here because 2024 is is having a rough time already like we've had some fantastic games like i'm i'm loving the the J, the japanese rihanna uh, renaissance that's going on right now like there's some great japanese games that are out there right now. There's it's not really Renaissance. It, they've yeah. been there. David. They, you yeah, just it, haven't been a part of it. <laughs> yeah, I get, yeah. It, it just we're getting a lot all at once. Is kind of the big thing that like they have been spread out before, and now we've gotten like oh my gosh, so many of them in the first two months of the year. Uh, but like we ha we're looking, we're staring on the barrel at a very possibly lacking second half of the year, like. There's some good stuff to look forward to. Avowed be good. Indie, if Indie makes 2024, you know, that's there. You've got Call of Duty, which not everybody wants Call of Duty. And then the rumor is Assassin's Creed Red might make it this year. And then I guess Star Wars Outlaws. And that's a the lot of Star our Wars. big games. <laughs> so, like, we're just we're looking at a very and some of it is in retrospect because obviously 2023 is ridiculous nothing can match that energy but it we're definitely at that point where it feels like oh we've kind of had a lot of our big game of the year candidates early like infinite wealth rebirth the such like it's like okay where where are we going from here the switch too would have certainly not only provided those humongous games 
but it also would have been a big uh, shot in the arm to the industry because of the fact of, hey, we could put all of our third-party stuff on this machine and sell on a new console. And when you don't have a brand new console in the holiday, and like, no offense to the PS5 Pro, I will be one of the first people in line to buy it, but people are not going to be lining up really to 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 buy new games on that. So that's not a, a new game seller. Like that's something where it's like whatever you've got here is what you're selling. You know, Switch 2 comes out, you you're moving heaven and earth to have games on that thing. But it's just it's just makes 2024 just feel like more of a let's survive. Let's get to 2025 where we've got a new console and we've got GTA 6. <laughs> like for, for the industry specifically. Like it, it really feels like man, 20 that's a really horrible loss for 2024 for the industry as opposed to like it, it's good for nintendo in the in the long term most likely but man it hurts the industry and and an industry that's already hurting with all these layoffs and and games getting can't i mean we've heard of so many game cancellations and whatnot like it's it's just rough out there yeah it is uh do you think y'all think the switch 2 is actually going to double down on the the switch idea like is it going to remain a switch i really that, hope so I, I would the hope the best it, things about I, nintendo I, consoles it's like <laughs> oh my gosh like what is this next console like we know what the next playstation and right, xbox I, is going to be it's bigger and better and i think i've gotten into it before but i mean i'm hoping it's something different but i think it's very likely it's going to be a switch too and it's if the same thing i mean the, the idea of the switch in, in general i mean it's kind of a break window in case of emergency idea because nintendo had their portable line and their console line and they're like well we can't sustain both of these so we got to combine them into one thing and kind of do a hail mary with the switch and that's and it worked out and i just don't see them going back from that unfortunately i think that was like uh there's no going back <laughs> so i think they're going to continue with the handheld thing because especially you know in japan domestically that's what makes the switch so popular it does um, yep so I think that's going to continue to go with the Switch idea for sure. Is this? I think I, I'm hoping they don't do necessarily the same Joy-Con idea though. One because the Joy-Cons are bad. Do you think they're going to do a <laughs> entire like Switch Lite? Do, are they going to do like that style where it's all connected? No, like, no. I think style, would... do you think they're going to stick with like the uh, Joy-Con actually, idea of disconnecting? Question because it's not like the motion controls on the Switch have like they're terrible used even as much as. <laughs> Yeah, and they're and they're not great. Like not, to me, it's hard to do hybrid great. that way though, because then you have to buy an extra controller if you're gonna. Yeah, knock it. I mean they, they like, make so much money on the Droidcons too, especially because they're like designed to break. Well, <laughs> that was my point, other thing. Yeah. Was I'm like, you know, if it's attached, I'm I'm at least a little worried because then I have yeah. to sell my entire or send in my entire Switch rather than just buy a backup pair That's of Droidcons. Like, that's true. At least Joy-Cons are easier to replace than an entire unit, especially with Nintendo's terrible system transfer process. Mine wasn't that difficult. I don't know why yours it, was it's, difficult. It's just because it's it's a pain in the butt because you have to have both. Like, it, they're the only company that you have to have your old system in the room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at this point, like, I can't just sign in and immediately have my crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... I don't use the Joy-Cons, so I forget that yeah. you can use them as extra controllers, and I don't have anybody no. else to play. Oh, with, yeah, you're. Uh, I've got a Splatoon uh, Pro Controller. Love the Pro Controller. One of the best yeah, the controllers, controllers out there. Fantastic. It's just, but it's it's just that thought of, okay, well, that's another 80 bucks on top if, if I'm going to play docked at all. Like, 
it, yeah. So that's a that's a price, and that's assuming it's eighty dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's not a hundred dollars. So you know, we'll we'll see when we get there. But like, I, I feel like you have to have those, uh, those Joy-Con like detachable again if you're going to go with the hybrid model. Yeah, I think the the Switch is the best console design ever. It's this it's fantastic idea. I mean, if I were Nintendo, I'd just be like, we're just going to do this and make it more powerful. That's, you know, that's yep. that's what Xbox and PlayStation does. And it's not very uh, creative of us, but this is a this is a dope con. We're going to ride this train as long as possible. I, you know, it even as a kid playing, you know, Mario 64 and like all, you know, all my favorite Nintendo games, I'd have the moments where I'm like, ooh, I wish I could take this, this dope console game on the go. And they tried, you know, weird stuff like Mario 64 DS, which that was, uh, and then, you know. Then you got the con- the power of an actual console behind it. Yeah, it's like, this is an actual freaking console. I could just drop Mario it Mario 64 and... DS was so cool, though. You don't think that was, that, like, so, that was cool to me that you saw, you could so have that. terrible. I thought so that was terrible. so cool. And then Metroid Prime demo. I mean, it looked like crap, but it was like, oh, man, 3D graphics on a thing like this. Well, Metroid Prime <laughs> Hunters was, was cool. Um I played the crap out of that game, but no, Mario 64 DS was terrible. Number one, playing Mario 64 with a D-pad was an awful oh, I'm idea. not talking about that. I'm talking about visually. It's like, oh man, a 3D game it's like fine. this, unlike this. I mean, that was it cool was to fine. me. That was cool was to me. <laughs> <laughs> like the polygons were smoother, but uh, like I could see like the 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 layered polygons. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> why is it designed like this? This is weird. Do you remember uh, the like the thumb strap thing they had you made you try to do to make the controls decent? <laughs> no, yeah, that was that was an awful idea as well. Um, <laughs> one one thing I've heard that I like, I get the reason, but I hope that it's not the case uh, i have i know i've heard in some of the different leak rumors and stuff is that we'll be going back to an lcd screen <laughs> that they won't be using an oled in the n- first iteration and that makes yeah. me sad because the oled is so good, so good. on the switch <laughs> and it's so like <sighs> that i feel like it's even if it's a better console like that's a downgrade it's still a downgrade to have to go back to a screen that isn't as good <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know how much it costs to have an oled and, and i uh, get it. it it could be cost prohibitive but like that's almost that... one of those moments where you're like give us the option like ship two, like ship two units ship a regular and an oled at, at launch <laughs> like, yeah, i'd pay a 50 dollars difference for an oled easily OLED. i didn't think it would be that much of a difference i was like holy frick it's a this is a lot more than you think so yeah cool. I, I the know. colors are so <laughs> vibrant and brilliant and i usually don't really care about the graphics per se but yeah. i was like oh i want to play on handheld a little bit more often now because this looks yep. really good yep it was well worth getting the legend of zelda one I was very happy to have that one. And the touch is more responsive. Yeah. Not many people mentioned that, but the touch screen was more responsive with the OLED. Yeah. So going back to a, a LCD where LED is, is weird. Um, but it's Nintendo. They're going to make it as cheap as possible. Cause that's their audience. They don't really care yep. about that stuff for the most part until later. <laughs> it'll it'll be very interesting. I know there's a rumored leak that Nintendo might be looking to reveal in June. Like actually say what's going on and it's an actual credible person, so we'll see. And Nintendo likes the Nintendo, so who knows what they're even thinking. I'm trying to remember uh 
back when Nintendo, when there was an E3 and Nintendo would announce their consoles, I'm trying to remember like when they actually launched. I don't have the console dates pulled up. Um, I think like, all I remember Wii U was, was November. Wii U yeah. wasn't, yeah, Wii U was November, but was I don't was that announced at E3? I think so. I think, I think, I think right, had like yeah. a weird was Tradius was we- released at a weird time. I think it was like winterish. I think like all I so remember have, is yeah. the 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 Wii the Switch one, and that was like January. It got announced, and then. <laughs> December, January, and then it was actually out in end of February. Like it was really quick turnaround. I remember. Yeah, that, that one was a quick turnaround. I remember that. I remember the Wii was E3, um, and then that came out. When did that come out? I should know that, but I don't. I think that's a November one too. Yeah, it was in November. Okay, so it's possible. Okay, so it's possible they kind of go with the the whole summer programming thing. Let's let's join the summer jam stuff and so, announce what we're doing. And then yeah. it comes Wii, out. Wii U was uh, announced at E3 2011. Okay. And it came out in Which, November? Pe- uh, yes. And people okay. knew that it was coming out in April, though. Like, they released an actual statement that they were going to announce it at E3. Oh, okay. So there was actually, like, an investor's thing and stuff like that, so. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, they, they could do something during the summer. I mean, why not? Yep. I mean, Everybody again, Nintendo's going to Nintendo. They'll do whatever they want. Like, yeah, and they, they the could do this a year yeah. ahead. They could use. They could do this like two months ahead. It, it's whatever they want. Yeah, they're and one of the few companies the internet... I could see shadow dropping a system. Oh <laughs> I, it won't happen. No, it's just they're no. the only company that I could see doing it. Like, no, well, they Sega did it. No, it turned out bad for you for them. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> Sega, Sega, Sega was on a different level because developers and publishers didn't even know it was dropping. So, yeah, like that, that was, that was <laughs> that's, that's very that's very different. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was bad. Um, Nintendo wouldn't at least make that mistake, but I don't think they would shadow drop uh, a console because you gotta pre- you gotta let people prepare their wallets. You know, so yeah. that's that's huge. All right, we'll stop there for tonight. It was good. All right. Uh, we'll see what the news Xbox brings us next week. I, I long think, live uh, Xbox. Huh? Xbox long... is dead. Long live Xbox. <laughs> yeah, I think we're I think we're done with the console news for a little while. So <laughs> next week, I think we'll be back to games. I know I've been playing uh, Prince of Persia, so I want to get a little bit further before I uh, talk about that for myself. Jack, you reviewed it and whatnot. Um, I think you'll be interested in the thoughts that I have. Okay. When we talk about it. Um, so, yeah, that's just going to bring popcorn just because. <laughs> or maybe we agree. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, know how he feels about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I've been playing. I've been playing Momodara so we can do like the reverse of what we did last time. <laughs> oh, you played that one? Yeah. I just okay, yeah. Oh, night, that'd be fun. Let's now. do that. <laughs> Let's do that. I talked about Momodoro. You talk about Momodoro. All right, uh, and I'll talk about Prince of Persia. Yeah, that that'll be fun. Uh, Dave is probably gonna take a break, so <laughs> Jeez, I need one. Yeah, we uh, will play we will some Call see. of Duty. I literally have not touched that game in a second, and this new season just dropped in. It, it of course, it would be like the best season we've had in forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the the one that I can't actually engage in is the best season. It's 
come out in years. <laughs> yeah, you better get on that. Like, uh, I, I got to so. give them credit. The last two seasons for the two seasons that are available for Modern Warfare 3, they're good. They've been very good. Uh, well, okay. So speaking of Call of Duty, uh, I have also, you know, I don't mean to extend the podcast <laughs> right when we're ending, but I did play uh, a bit of Overwatch 2, and I would say they have improved the matchmaking. So I'm kind of back into that again. Nice. So, um, so that, that feels good. I still like Overwatch. I just hated the matchmaking. It was making my life miserable. So, so next week, uh, next week is going to be fun. All right. That'll do it for us. Appreciate you watching. Appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you later. Deuces. Peace. See ya.